Good morning. It's good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for this morning is the conclusion to our January series on making a difference. And I think we've had some really good lessons so far on what we can do to make a difference and why it's important. One of the passages that we have visited before in this series is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I wanted to begin with this passage. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus taught very plainly, and there are other places in Scripture that teach very similar that Christianity is not about blending in. Christianity is about standing out. And we as Christians must stand out in this world. We live in a world that is primarily seen in darkness. Whenever we look at the world, there are many that are without Christ that do not know God. And, and that's a sad thing to think about. We as Christians have a duty to stand out. To make a difference in the world. And that's what this series has been all about. I wonder, how many people do we meet in the course of a day? Just a day. Running errands, going to our jobs or schools or whatever we may be doing. Family outings. How many people do we run into in a day? How many opportunities do we have to encourage or bring someone to Christ. What do we do with our opportunities? Do we see our opportunities as opportunities? That's another good question. But what can we do to make a difference in our world? Today's lesson is focused on one soul. Sometimes we get into numbers and we get into masses and I think the idea that, that we need to have is to look at one soul at a time. Our lesson objectives for this morning are to learn what the Bible teaches us about making a difference to start changing the world. Taking it one soul at a time. One thing that I want you to notice and particularly in this lesson is that whenever we look at our world Everybody can be shown to one of these three categories we're going to talk about this morning. Faithfulness, those who are wayward, or those who are lost. Everybody falls into one of those three categories. Everyone is in need in some way. And we're going to look at how we can supply those needs for individuals. We begin with encouraging the faithful. Christians are to be an encouragement to one another. Those of the first century church began building each other up by helping those in need. We read a little bit about one of the aspects as far as the church was concerned in Acts chapter 2 as we read on 
uh, about the church being established on the day of Pentecost and the days following and what happened within the church. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 44 it says this, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. One of the things that, that we find about the church of the first century is that they had a close bond with one another. And that's something that we don't often find in our congregations today. Members that have a close bond with one another. Their lives were, were blended together outside of the church. And, and that's a, a wonderful thing to think about. I know a few years ago I had the opportunity, I remember as a, a youngster, um, one of the things that we did, we had a, a joint uh, visit with the, the Laverne congregation as I was growing up with Science Hill. Uh, we did a couple of things with, with their youth group and with ours. Uh, one of the things that we did, we went to Short Mountain. And one of the, the, the great things that, that I found in that trip that we had, in the time that we shared together, is that we were with each other. As Christians, we were with one another. We had an opportunity to shut out everything from the world, and we had this time together. And it was a great bonding experience for us. But we don't often see those, those types of relationships extending beyond the church services. We don't see lives blending as often in everyday life. And maybe that's something that we need to see more of. But that was something that was particular to the church of the first century. In Acts chapter 4, in verses 32 and 35, we read uh, a very similar and going beyond that. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. They saw the needs of one another. And they looked to supply those needs. Again we see that close bond that they had with one another. They didn't count any of their possessions as their own. They, they sold them, as a matter of fact, to supply the needs of other members. We see that one of their focuses, as far as being a church is concerned, was encouragement. It's building each other up. Something that we mentioned in the series before this one. We talked a lot about worship and the importance of worship and the importance of worshiping in the way that God wants us to. One of the things that we noticed in that series was that the purpose of worship, or at least one of the purposes, one of the main purposes of worship, is edification. We are here to edify one another. We are here to build up. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, it says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. Picking up with verse 16, for whom, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are to edify one another. We are to build one another up. And that's one of the, the purposes of coming together each Lord's Day or any other day that we might come together. It's for the purpose of edification. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Even the things that we do within the worship service have a reason, have a purpose. Edification. Attendance alone is an encouragement to the saints. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We come together, we gather, because we see a need for edification. So, just attendance alone can be a great encouragement to each other. We have examples of those who encouraged others to continue in service of the Lord. For instance, the Levites were encouraged in continuing their duties in the temple. Psalm 134 verses 1 and 2. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Those were the words of the Israelites to the Levites. As they served on their behalf, as they offered those sacrifices, as they did what they needed to do in the house of the Lord, they were encouraged to do so. Paul encouraged Timothy in his work of ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to, to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Timothy was told what he needed to do. He's encouraged to continue. We need to be that kind of encouragement to one another. We need to encourage one another to continue in the works of God, to continue in worship, 
to continue to live life in a way that pleases Him. But we have a great opportunity to be an encouragement to those who are faithful. And certainly even those who are faithful do need that encouragement. Now we move on to saving the weak and wayward. The first mission of Christ and the apostles was seeking and saving the lost. In Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The apostles' mission was stated in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Israelites were God's chosen people, but many did not accept the sending of His Son, though it had been foretold. The first mission that was given to the apostles was not to go into all the world. But their first mission and primary concern was to redeem those who were once considered gods. They were to go to the wayward. They were to go to the ones who had strayed away from God. We see the need for doing so even today. In Luke chapter 15, there are three different parables that are given. I want to go through each of these briefly. How important was the lamb that wandered away? Luke 15, beginning with verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he, has come, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. How important was the lost coin? Luke 15 and verse 8. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. How important was the son who returned. Luke 15, verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, 
and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the paws that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be married. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Each was important to God. And in each case, they were gladly welcomed home. In the case of the lamb that was astray, 99 were left so that the lamb could be brought back. And there was much rejoicing. In the case of the ten coins, one, just one, was lost. But there was much rejoicing when it was found. And the one that we often refer to as the prodigal son, he left on his own accord, but he returned, to which he found his father eagerly waiting for him. Those who are astray, those who are lost, maybe because of something that they have done themselves, they're still important to God. There are many who are lost due to their own negligence. These were once a part of God's fold, but for whatever reason they have become lost. God eagerly awaits their return even to the point of sending His Son to bring them back. We are to take special care in bringing back to God those who have wandered away. Sometimes we, we, I think as Christians, neglect that area. But there are those who wander away and we need to seek their return. And finally, let's notice those were lost. Reaching the lost. Though it was not the initial mission, the gospel was prepared for and sent to all nations. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In Romans 10 verses 12 through 13, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We call on the name of the Lord through obedience to the gospel. 
for baptism, for the remission of sins. There is no distinction between nationalities any longer. The Jews were God's people, but when they refused, the gospel was sent to all. The gospel is sent to us. It's sent to those who are still lost today. As Christians, we are given a mission to reach the lost. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. In words that were originally given to the apostles, these words are, are given to us through Scripture. The mission that was once the apostles' mission is now ours in their passing from this life. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We are to make disciples of all the nations, of all peoples. Anyone who is outside of Christ is in need of Him. We're to go, go about making them disciples, uh, teaching them to obey the gospel, what they need to do, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And we continue to encourage them in their walk with God. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16 has similar words. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. There's an importance in reaching those who are lost. And we need to seek to bring them to God. Again, every soul in the world is in one of these three categories. And we are all in need in some way. As Christians, we are constantly in need of encouragement to continue in faithfulness. Many err from the way and are in need of repentance and return. We should be encouraging in their return to God and His way. I know of numerous occasions where I've been told of someone who was for whatever reason unintentionally done, by the way. But I've heard of people who were discouraged for, for one reason or another and never returned to the church. That's a sad case. We need to be an encouragement to those who seek to return. We need to have encouraging words need to be careful in how we do so. And there are many that we see daily who do not know God. We often sing the song, Do You Know My Jesus? And there are many who do not know Him. Some because they have refused Him. Some because no one has taught them the way of salvation. Are we truly seeking to save the lost? Or are we allowing them to continue to live in their lost condition? 
Whenever we see someone, I, I want you to see them as someone in need of something. And do your best to fulfill that need one soul at a time. As I close this lesson today, I want to issue a challenge to you as we close this series. Choose a project or maybe multiple projects at once. But choose someone that you can see something that they need, something that you can supply and try to meet that need in their life. Choose those from the different categories mentioned. Don't just choose those who are faithful and, and try to always encourage them. We need to choose other people as well. But do your best to be a light in their life and a good example to them. Teach them what they need to do to be faithful and encourage them in their walk with God. If they refuse you, or if you find that you are not gaining any ground, move on to someone else. Take it one soul at a time. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in numbers and things of that nature, but let's look at each person as a soul and look at some way that we can help them. Maybe it's a church member. Maybe it's someone from another congregation. If there's some way that you can be an encouragement to them, do it. Those of our families, friends, co-workers, classmates, whoever it is that we come in contact with regularly, look to do something good in their life. Even the enemies. If there's some way that you can reach them, some way that you can encourage them, if there's some kind of open door there, use it. Again, let's see our opportunities as opportunities. Let's use them in the way that we should. Just take one soul at a time. Choose one person that you can be an encouragement to. And be an encouragement to them in any way that you can. I hope the lesson has been helpful to you. I think this has been a good series. Not sure exactly where I'm going to go in February, but... Um, as we look at, at this lesson in particular, let's focus on making a difference in our world. We, we can't change the world. Obviously, we can't change the entire world. But we can affect the life of one person. And that's what I want us to focus in on. Maybe it's your own life that you need to focus on. Maybe you're not a child of God. Maybe you're not a faithful child of God. If you need to come in obedience, Obeying the gospel, repentance, confession, baptism for the mission of sins. Or if you need to come in repentance, if you need to come back to God. Maybe you need to admit wrong or maybe you need to ask for prayer on your behalf. If there's some way that we as a congregation can help you, we offer the Lord's invitation to you. Please come as we stand and as we sing.